Welcome to Oncofarm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I'm an associate professor of pharmacy practice here and supporting sponsor of Oncofarm, the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. Today is um, April 15th. It's middle of HOPA. Uh, in 2021, which is all uh, online and virtual this year. So usually I would be away, but since I'm here in the office, I'll go ahead and put out a pod. And this is a topic uh, that kind of snuck under the radar and in the new therapies had some uh-oh uh, moments and some voluntary withdrawals and perhaps more to come. So let's let's get right into it. Uh, i got a series of press releases here from drug companies uh, that are all voluntary withdrawals of immunotherapy drugs or immune checkpoint inhibitors for prior indications. And now the first one is AstraZeneca's uh, voluntary withdrawal of Dervalumab for uh, locally advanced metastatic bladder cancer. Now this was originally approved in 2017 uh, based on, and uh, as most all accelerated approvals are, based on response rate and duration of approval. Uh, and that was in the second line setting, right? So I got an accelerated approval for previously turned so second, third line setting. Uh, and the way the accelerated approval program works, FDA says we'll give you an accelerated approval, but you've got to confirm it in a, a phase three study. So the confirmatory study here was Danube, which we discussed on the podcast, which was first line treatment of metastatic bladder cancer with platinum gemcitabine versus dervalumab, did not show an overall survival benefit. So this is a, this is a common trend that we'll see with the next three drugs I talk about. Uh, a late line approval, in this case, second line, gets accelerated approval. And then the confirmatory study is moved up in treatment. In the first line, that, that does, it's not confirming the benefit in the second line therapy. It's trying to get a, it's trying to get the drug earlier in the game, which I'm, uh, I, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't feel great about it. All right, so that was Dervalumab. That was February 22nd that the drug company voluntarily withdrawn or withdrew Dervalumab uh, in consultation with FDA. Now, by doing it in consultation with FDA, I guess they, they just put out the press release. Uh, quietly changed their PI after that. FDA didn't send anything out. I didn't get an email from the FDA. I didn't see a tweet from the FDA. It's possible they made, they talked about it, but I did not see that until recently. Uh, all right. Uh, the next one I'll talk about uh, actually occurred uh, earlier than this. It was um, December 29th, 2020. And uh, map uh, originally approved in 2018 uh, for the indication uh, we're talking about here, which is small cell lung cancer, accelerated approval. I remember talking to a patient in clinic, and, and we were actually talking about Nevolone versus Nevo-Ipi for like third-line treatment of small cell. And they had seen somebody at an ivory tower place and said, oh, they, my doctor so-and-so place said uh, Nevo is going to be approved soon. And it was. Uh, this accelerated approval, so again, response rate, duration of response is the endpoint, was in the third-line setting. Um, and that's based off a, a phase one, two study, which of course begins with checkmate. Now, there were two confirmatory studies considered for nivolumab for small cell lung cancer. One was Checkmate 451, which was Nevo or Ipi uh, or Nevo or placebo as maintenance after four cycles of platinum-based chemo, which I would have thought would have been a good study based on what we saw with atezolizumab and dervalumab in small cell lung cancer. That didn't show any improvement. And then Checkmate 331 was a second-line study of of Topotecan or amrubicin, which is an anthracycline not available in the United States, uh, compared to nivolumab. Uh, and actually, nivolumab numerically had a poor overall survival than chemo. So same scenario, originally approved via accelerated uh, approval pathway in the third-line setting, and then the confirmatory study was in a, a first-line maintenance setting after first-line chemo or the second-line setting, neither showing overall survival benefit. 
All right, the next one. Now we're getting close to where we are today. March 1st, 2021, Merck uh, voluntarily withdraws pembrolizumab for metastatic small cell lung cancer. So same same kind of indication as nivolumab. In this case, uh, the pembro approval was the accelerated approval um, for patients um, after platinum-based chemo and at least one prior line of therapy. So again, third line setting uh, for pembro. Uh, now this was, uh, again, approved in third line setting. The confirmatory study was Keynote 604, which was platinum and etoposide plus Pembro versus just platinum etoposide in the first line setting. This was a very large study. And I'll, go, I'll give you the numbers here because I think this is interesting. Um, so they did show a significant improvement in progression-free survival, and there were co-primary endpoints in the study, and they used a one-sided alpha of 0.25. So instead of 5%, they used 2.5%, which, okay, that's appropriate for a one-sided alpha. Then they split their alpha between PFS and overall survival, and they show a PFS benefit. And in fact, if you look at the Kaplan-Meier curves and you look at 24-month overall survival, here's the 24-month overall survival rates. 22% with Pembro added to chemo in the first line setting for small cell versus 11%. So two, after two years, twice as many people are alive with small cell if they got Pembro up front. Now, 22 versus 11 still means four out of five uh, died uh, in the Pembro, but that's, that seems pretty good. Hazard ratio 0.8. 95% constant 0.64 to 0.9 out. Okay, the confidence interval does not cross one. Sounds good. P-value, 0.0164. Sounds like that should be statistically significant, but it is not because they already spent part of their alpha on PFS, which means their alpha for overall survival was 0.019. They were just under like 0.002 away from, from achieving statistical significance. Um, and in consultation with the FDA, decided to remove the drug. This is essentially the same type of study as atezolizumab. Uh, and I think there were two reasons this, this was voluntarily withdrawn based on, on the data we see here. Uh, one, they, they spent some of their alpha on PFS. If they had spent all their alpha on OS, Pembroke gets regular approval for um, first of all, cell lung cancer, I think, and now uh, it's competing uh, for, for when we use atizolizumab. And maybe we don't use atizol that a lot. Maybe we, we wouldn't have atizol on formula. We just use Pembro in place of atizolizumab because we, we do see and treat a lot of small cell. Um, the other thing is if their primary endpoint, besides being uh, overall survival, uh, using uh, the, the log rank test and cap microbe, if they had used like a landmark analysis of two-year OS, they probably get approved and they probably show a statistically significant overall survival benefit if they just look at two year. Because as we often see when immunotherapies compared to chemo is the the Kaplan-Meier curves cross over. So initially in like the first six months, like when they're getting chemo, the chemo arm had a, you know, was beating the, the chemo plus Pembro arm um, initially. Uh, and then that uh, that curve falls pretty quickly, and the Pembroke curve uh, stays stays uh, above that going forward. So, uh, with longer follow-up, if you could, if people would live longer with small cell, you probably would have seen uh, a survival benefit with Pembroke. But I think the design of this study uh, and trying to 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 look at two different things, PFS and OS, when really we only care about OS, especially in extensive stage small cell. This is a fast growing, it's a bad disease. You'll see the benefit if you look for it. They just didn't have enough faith to look for it, it looks like. Have faith in your drug if you think it's a good drug. All right, the last uh, voluntary withdrawal uh, was atizolizumab. Uh, and uh, so uh, Genentech uh, voluntary withdrawing atizolizumab, uh, which was approved via accelerated approval for um, Patients, patients with metastatic bladder cancer who had priorly, priorly, previously received platinum. 
Uh, and this was approved in 2016. Wow, going back five years. Based on the Invigor 210 study. Uh, now, the Invigor 211, logically, made sense to be the conformatory study. This was a tizolizumab versus chemo uh, after platinum-based therapy. Uh, and the chemo could have been vin uh, vinflunine, not available in the U.S., or paclitaxel or docetaxel. And they even just looked at the high PD-L1 expression group and did not find an overall survival advantage. 11.1 months versus 10.6, around those both, to 11. I think it's worth noting that the same three chemotherapy drugs, uh, uh, vinflunine, paclitaxel, and docetaxel, were the comparison group, or the comparison arm, Physician's Choice of Chemo, uh, in the PIVL trial that uh, showed an overall survival benefit of infortimab, vidotin, uh, and, and basically this, not, well not basically, a slightly different patient population. Metastatic bladder cancer, but infortimab, infortimab bedotin showed that OS benefit in the third line. Here at Tizo was compared to the same chemotherapy uh, choices, but in the second line setting and failed to show that overall survival benefit. And of course the infortimab third line approval is following platinum-based chemo and then following immunotherapy. Uh, then there's also another potential confirmatory study for tizolizumab for metastatic bladder cancer. This is the Invigor 130, which was first line at tizo plus chemo versus just chemo. Good study question to ask. I'll give them credit for that. Uh, we do have a publication showing median uh, or showing progression-free survival of a tizo plus chemo versus platinum-based chemo for first-line treatment metastatic bladder cancer. Uh, the interim OS is trending in favor of, of favoring uh, tizolizumab, but it's it's interim. Uh, so a TISO may get uh, regular approval back in this space uh, if it works. Now, those were the four voluntary approvals, and because they were voluntary approvals, uh, I didn't really hear about them uh, until um, the FDA put out something um, about a month ago on March 11th saying, um, we're having a big ODAC meeting, which is the Oncology Drug Advisory Committee, uh, at the end of April, the last uh, working days of April, to talk about six other immunotherapy indications. And oh, by the way, four other drugs, the four I just went over, have already agreed to voluntarily uh, revoke their, their indication. So there are six more of these IO uh-ohs that may be coming. And I'll go run through those real quick. Uh, Tizolizumab plus uh, nanoparticle amount paclitaxel for uh, triple negative breast cancer. Uh, a tizo for uh, metastatic urethelial carcinoma who aren't candidates for cisplatin-based chemo, pembro for the same reason, same indication, metastatic bladder who aren't candidates for cisplatin-based chemo, um, pembro for third-line treatment of gastric or GEJ junction cancer uh, alone, um, uh, pembro for HCC, hepatocellular liver carcinoma, after serafinib, and then nevo for HCC who have failed serafinib. So, uh, honestly, uh, it's confusing that you have all these accelerated approvals for IO drugs and now some, some uh, voluntary approvals, and, and I would anticipate FDA will revoke the approval on their own for some of these, or at least ODAC will recommend them to. FDA doesn't have to do what ODAC recommends. So a couple take-home points here. There's now, I think, a trend of these accelerated approvals in the second or third line setting trying to confirm the benefit of their drug in the first line setting, which to me is is, uh, you know, that's not really confirmation of what you of what your approval was. Confirmation would be, you know, in the third line setting, comparing your drug, which has already shown a good response rate, compare your drug to another drug or another group of drugs. Um, we do see some similar uh, disease states here, small cell lung cancer, metastatic bladder cancer, hepatocellular carcinoma, diseases that are, that are tough to treat, um, 
but diseases where platinum-based chemo, at least with small cell and bladder cancer, work very well as we want to maximize those treatments. And then the third, I guess, take-home point here is this voluntary withdrawal. I mean, did you hear about these? I didn't hear about these, and I kind of follow stuff pretty closely. I didn't hear about these until very recently. Um, and it's hard to follow everything that's going on in, in oncology, pharmacy, and drug approvals, and and new data, which is the reason that you know you probably listen to this podcast is to, to help you out a little bit because there's so much happening. Uh, there's a voluntary uh, uh, withdrawal uh, kept some of these uh, you know th- this bad data under the radar, and these are all FDA approved for other indications. So it's not like the drug is removed from the market. So my guess is some people probably got these drugs even after uh, they had the the, the label withdrawal uh, on their own from the drug company. So. Interesting stuff. It's never boring here, following the data in uh, using drugs to treat cancer. Uh, That's all I have for this week. Thank you so much for listening to the pod, supporting the pod. You can follow me on Twitter at FarmDeetNib and follow uh, the the podcast on both Twitter and Instagram at OncorFarmPod on those two platforms. Until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter. (music) 